Hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We are back at it again here in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio, the first edition, or I should say first 2021 episode of the Hangover Edition. We, uh, as you know, if you've listened to the show the past couple weeks to start the season, we had some some logistics issues. Uh, I was out of the country and then, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. So we're back to uh, doing our Sunday recaps um, as Ole Miss is coming off defeating the Tulane Greenway 61 to 21. Uh, we're going to get into that here in a moment. Ben and Juco All-American are here on the show with me. But before they join, I do need to remind you, I did say we are in the Davis McCord State Farm studio. And if uh, you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team at State Farm, your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi. So stop looking around. Give Davis a call today, 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. Podcast also brought to you by the good folks at Sola on South Lamar. As we all know, football season is back. Home games are back, full capacity, Grove is popping. Um, if you need to uh, go grab a bite to eat before or after the game, then uh, go check out Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts at Sola. Top-notch cuisine and libations coming to you six days a week. So whether that's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, Sola is bringing the best and brightest to you in-house or via curbside pickup. So check them out today, solaoxford.com, or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. Last but certainly not least, before we get started, podcast is brought to you by LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's show. Uh, Greg and the folks over there are doing us a solid, and I should say doing everyone a solid. Uh, If you go now, as a loyal listener to this podcast or as a uh, loyal reader of uh, redcuprebellion.com, go in there, mention the show, mention Red Cup, mention the site, mention anything pertaining to Red Cup Rebellion or the show. And Greg is going to hook it up with a 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage for $20. That is a uh, fantastic meal for anyone, whether it's for you and you only, or if it's for two people, three, you could probably, probably feed four with that. Um, so again, just tell them Red Cup sent you and you'll get a 16 ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage for $20. It's the best protein for all of your Ole Miss grilling needs. And, uh, that's all you have to do is go see Greg and the folks at LB's meat market, 2008 university Avenue. Tell them that we sent you and he'll hook it up with, uh, probably the best deal in town. So without further ado, Ben Juco are here, gentlemen, Welcome. It was uh, a marathon of sorts, but um, Ole Miss obviously got the win and uh, did it in pretty incredible fashion. So welcome. What about what if there was like an alternate universe where we wait in a two hour rain delay and then we end up losing at home to Tulane at like one in the morning? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I don't think I was ever at a point where I was worried if the game was going to actually be played because I was. Uh, I, we, we, had, we had some friends over um, for most of the day watching all the games. And, and then later on in the evening, people were asking me, you know, hey, how bad does it have to be for them to cancel it? And I was like, man, it's, it's got to be biblical. Uh, college football is good about that. They're going to play the games. I mean, barring just lightning nonstop, they're going to play in a rainstorm. So, um, but man, it didn't slow down Ole Miss at all offensively. Oh. Uh, running through the numbers here uh, on this game. Uh, Okay, over 700 total yards. Uh, Let me get the actual number. 707 total yards, 335 through the air, 372 on the ground. Had the ball for just over 32 minutes. Only uh, had the one turnover. Um, Just kind of a tough one there. Parrish got popped right on the football. Um, But outside of that, pretty clean offensive game. Nine of 18 on third downs, five for five on fourth down. Um, 10.2 yards on like hour 29 or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, up like 30 or whatever. Um, (laughs) yeah. 10.2 yards per pass, uh, 6.1 per rush. I mean, guys, it was look, I know it's Tulane, but man, 707 yards, 707 yards. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I think that I was never worried that Ole Miss was going to lose to Tulane, uh, but I was a little bit concerned that it might be 
sloppy on offense uh, just because of obviously the rain and like thinking back to LSU last year, right, where uh, there were just all those turnovers and that's how we ended up losing. Um, but it was never, ever sloppy. Uh, the offense was clicking on all cylinders. Matt Corral, gosh, he's so good. <laughs> like even early on when the, uh, Kiffin and Levy were going to the running game kind of pretty much nonstop, uh, to to show that they could do that, which like I think that after the second series, it was pretty clear that Tulane had no chance because the running backs were just going crazy. Uh, but uh, even early on, like there were just a few passes that Matt Corral made in those first couple of drives. There were even, you know, like, I don't know, 10, 15 yard passes that were just gorgeous. And it was like, oh, OK, well, I guess that, you know, we're just going to go nuts in this game. And that's what happened. You know, it, it was funny, I think before we started, I was talking with Zach and Ole Miss was up 33 to 14, maybe, um, or 33, 21. I can't remember what the score was at the time. And Tulane, uh, did the onside kick, uh, the surprise onside kick. And, and I believe the, uh, and battle recovered it. And I want to say it was the next play. We threw the uh, touchdown Domingo, like the 50 yarder. And it was as if, um, I think in my time, timeline's right it, you're it's right running. yeah yeah it's like it pissed Kiffin I was like okay dude like we could score every play if we want to stop being <laughs> like yeah. I mean because we the, the, we only we've not stretched the field this year until uh last night I mean we have not Corral throws the best deep ball in the country I mean he's the best passer in the country short passes intermediate or deep ball but he definitely throws the best deep ball in the country we haven't even had to use it and and then last night uh we get the onside kick and then you know he starts i really think kiffin almost was like paying respect to the fans who decided to stay too he's like hey i'm gonna treat y'all to a few uh video game touchdowns here because you know for being like the diehards that are staying in the stadium after you know what was a torrential uh downpour for hours literally yeah. hours I, that's that's what's most impressed me about Matt Corral is, man, the field, I you know, at the beginning of the game, they were splashing around on it. It had to be wet still by the end of the game. I mean, it rained like inches yesterday in, in yeah. Oxford. And, and as good as the technology is for draining fields, there's no way it was, you know, comfortable to throw the football last night. And he still threw it for 300 and some odd yards, however many it was. <laughs> Yeah, 335. Yeah, 335. I talked to a couple of folks that were on the field and they actually said that it was impressive just how good the surface was despite the rain. Because, I mean, it was, you know, I said for them to cancel it, it was going to have to be biblical. And I mean, it was, it was damn near close for a while. I mean, some of the videos that were surfacing out of the grove, I mean, it was just really sloppy. Um, They had to get the, the heavy duty push brooms out to get the water off the, you know, off the field. But, Man, I mean, just looking at some of these statistics from the game, the Athletic did a roundup of some of the most interesting numbers from week three. And, um, you know, Corral was the first player in SEC history with three passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns in a game. The only other FBS player to do that was Colin Klein uh, in 2012. Um, It was, uh, you know, we talked about Ole Miss having 707 total yards in the game. It's the second time since Lane Kiffin has been the head coach that Ole Miss has gotten over – 700 um and it's the sixth game in his 13 games as coach that they've had at least 600 i mean that right there is just i, I can't even can't even comprehend it um and we're, I, I saw gosh i wish i could remember who it was on twitter so i could give them credit but i think someone said that it was like uh you know kiffin has had six of those and Ole miss total through our entire history has had like 15 or something like that it's it's wild. Um, I, I mean, some other numbers out there. I mean, almost had 41 first downs uh, to tie the SEC record. Um, Missouri hit that same mark against Tennessee in 2016. Um, it's just, just insane. I mean, Nick Suss of uh, the Clarion Ledger always does these uh, numbers breakdowns after every game. And he uh, posted um, earlier this morning, Matt Crowell's accounted for 14 touchdowns in his first three games among the last 10 Heisman trophy winning quarterbacks. Only Lamar Jackson accounted for more in their first three starts, Um, which I I don't have to tell anybody that's elite company. 
Um, Ole Miss is outgaining their opponents by an average of 294 yards per game. Um, the teams that aren't gaining that many yards per game, period. Bowling Green, Georgia State, Southern Miss, Rutgers, Kansas, Rice, Colorado, Navy, UNLV, UConn, and Louisiana Monroe. Um, so, I mean, Ole Miss is outgaining people by more yards and some people are getting a game. Um, Ole Miss has converted 12 fourth down attempts, four more than any team. Uh, 92 teams in the FBS haven't even converted four fourth down attempts yet. Um, Ole Miss has 23 more first downs than any other team in the SEC. Um, the Rebels have rushed for more first downs than South Carolina has total. Um, last one here, Dontario Drummond and Jonathan Mingo are averaging 209.7 combined receiving yards per game. Uh, in their best year, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf averaged 191.3. So, small sample size, but still pretty elite offense. Yeah. I mean, of course, we need to see them against more competent defenses, but sure. uh, destroying the teams they're supposed to beat. So that's yeah, that's yeah. Nice. I, I agree with that point. And that's like the that's the quick go to on social media, Twitter from your, you know, average Arkansas Razorback or Mississippi State fan or, you know, just SEC West fan in general or college football fan. But the thing is, is when you play lesser competition, you know, you're supposed to do this to them. And it's not as if Ole Miss is pulling away in the fourth quarter. They're like pounding their opponent. And then the game looks closer at the end than it really is. You know, it's it's not as if it's 35 to 28 going into the fourth quarter. And next thing you know, it's 63 to 28. It's 37 to nothing or 26 to nothing before the other team scores. And while you... I... Go ahead. Go ahead. Are, are you certain that Ole Miss has not trailed a Conference USA and a, an American Conference opponent in the fourth quarter? <laughs> I know. That I think, I they think did pretty. They did pretty good at um, possessing the football after a punt on Saturday. What did uh, uh, Dylan Edwards tweet? Is something? I mean, it was like really good. It said, um, uh, I, "I'll have to find it," but it was. Uh, he said, is Louisiana Tech better than Louisville? I don't know, but I think we can agree Memphis is better than Mississippi State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's great. Oh, he, that being said, the, that was a tough call against against our arch rival. Mm-hmm. It really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, some <sighs> on Sunday, uh, you know, BetMGM released their new Heisman odds, uh, I don't think it's too – I don't think we're surprised. I think maybe some of the nation might be. Uh, Matt Corral is the new favorite. He is at plus 210. Uh, Bryce Young right behind him at plus 250. I know it's only going to be the fourth game of the year for Ole Miss. It's going to be uh, week uh, week five of the season. Um, if Matt Corral keeps pace and continues to be, you know, as good or close to what he's done so far in these first three weeks – um, even after the Alabama game, I mean, this, this game in Tuscaloosa might decide the Heisman. It, it very well could. And I think that that could be unfair to corral, you know, if, if yeah, the mean, winner of the game, the, unless, unless he has like an Archie Manning type performance in Tuscaloosa, I just think that's, that's an unfair uh, metric for him. I mean, whether or not what I think doesn't matter, obviously, but. He's the best player in college football. We are watching the best player in college football. Uh, he's playing quarterback for Ole Miss. I mean, what if he has what if he has an Arnold Showboat Boykin like performance again? Ooh, <laughs> then he, give it to him. Then it is fair. See, yeah. it's only unfair <laughs> if Ole Miss doesn't win and he plays poorly. But yeah. if if Ole Miss does win, and he plays well, and they give it to him because of that, then it's a very fair uh, metric. That's right. So, real quick before. Uh... Before we forget, because obviously Matt Crowell is just on another level right now, um, before we get to uh, talking defense on the other side, we would be remiss if we didn't discuss the run game. Um, they were outstanding. Um, and again, it, it's kind of wild. And Crowell's part of the run game. But, uh, you know, the score from far moniker and everybody, you know, talking about how Ole Miss, you know, is throwing the ball over the place. I mean, they really don't. I mean, this team is really focused on running the football first. They ran it twice as much as they threw it on Saturday, 61 rushes 
for 372. I mentioned already 6.1 yards per rush. Uh, I mean, it was pretty surgical. Jerry Neely had a big day, um, 15 carries, 105 yards, seven yards a pop. Uh, Matt Corral right behind him at 68. And after that, man, it was just pretty methodical by committee. Henry Parrish had a big day, nine carries, 64 yards and a touch. Uh, Snoop Connor, nine carries, 42 yards. He also had the the huge two-for-one block on Drummond's touchdown uh, run that was pretty impressive. But I, I think that's the key for the game in two weeks because we saw what Florida did on the ground against this Alabama defense. And Ole Miss ran, I think, for 268 a year ago against Alabama. Um, I think this offensive line is built to sustain this success early on. We'll see how they do against Alabama and the rest of the schedule in the conference. But – Really solid up front. Um, I think Orlando Omano is going to get the the false starts corrected. Um, And if he doesn't, he's not going to be playing. But um, I don't know if they're going to have to go to a silent count or some kind of new cadence where it's just a clap or something. But outside of that, I mean, the run game and the offensive line play was was pretty outstanding on Saturday with how well they ran the football and they just kind of did what they wanted. Yeah. So I've got a question, actually. Um, This is something I was thinking about this morning. So if you're Nick Saban, Alabama, and you've seen what Matt Corral has done through the first three games, do you think that your approach is to try the drop eight, even though he has shown that at least against bad defenses, he you know, can take what's given to him and make awesome plays and pick up yards in many different ways against that defense? Or do you think that they go with more like a men up and try to, you know, try to get the win like like they did last year, seeing that it didn't really work. Their approach last year didn't work either. Uh, they're going to have to line up to be prepared to stop the run, is my opinion, because, uh, you know, I think Matt Krause the obvious difference maker, but I think what we're seeing now is when teams right now, if this is all with the caveat that Alabama cannot stop the run with three linemen, because if they play a drop eight and rush three, Ole Miss is going to run for 300 yards. Like that's, I think that that, or, you know, high two hundreds, just like last year. So, you know, and if they, to me, I, I can't see that. It's a good question. It truly is. I don't know what I would do. I mean, frankly, I get because Corral is so much more disciplined and now he's got 10 days, man, or 14 days to prepare for him. And you have to think they didn't really prepare for Austin P. They probably started preparing for Alabama that week. Now, they probably prepared some for Tulane this past week, but I'm going to say like subtly Kiffin and Lebby and those guys have been really working on plays and preparing to beat Alabama for about the last, well, since the season started or since after the Louisville game. Yeah, I mean, against Austin P, they actually only had one day for install because of the way right. that the week yeah. worked out. So they probably didn't get to spend a lot of time in Alabama. But certainly they spent some time this summer on Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm probably 80-20 in that Nick Saban is going to do what Nick Saban does. Yeah, um, They're going to play man. They don't care who the opponent is. That's what they've, that's what they've done forever since he's been there they're going to play man coverage and they're going to challenge you um i don't know what part of me thinks he's going to just try to confuse corral try to do some unique blitz packages and just try to do what they do just because it's it's alabama and on paper on the field they're probably going to be better at a lot of spots and i think they're just going to kind of see what happens. And then they'll adjust if, you know, obviously if Ole Miss starts really having their way with them, but I know it's a, it's, it's a different game. Um, They're going to make some adjustments. They're going to prepare differently because they're different teams, but Emory Jones kind of picked apart Alabama on Saturday. Um, He made some good throws and they ran the ball really, really well. Um, He ran well. (laughs) Yeah. And, and Corral does that well. So yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I, I what do did they think, do against LSU in nineteen? I'm not saying the I, teams are the same, but very right. good quarterback, really strong I, running game. I, I don't know. The offenses you know, might be the same. Similar, uh, exactly. Similarly prolific offenses. You know, I, that, I think I, I think you have to give the LSU receivers on that team a little more credit. 
Sure. Oh, yeah, I, better, I don't disagree. Better, yeah, better players on the outside. I mean, I, I'd have to go but back and watch would Alabama, it. like how they lined up, that's probably how I would, you know, go, even though they, they struggled against LSU that year. Yeah. yeah. I, I think what I think they have to do, and I think, you know, you sort of hit on this, Ben, is I think they have to line up in the drop eight, see what their three down linemen can do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if they just have absurd enough push from those three five stars uh, that they can get pressure on that corral, they can eat up some of the holes, that sort of thing, then they stay in that formation and try to see if, like, they can take away the running game enough that corral feels pressure to be able to make plays with his arm and, you know, somehow gets confused or something like that. But I think that. You know, they have to go in into this with the approach of like, uh, let's see what happens for a quarter and then reassess and have a potential game plan they can kind of switch to if uh, if he's picking that apart. Yeah, I mean, maybe Saban tries to tries to prey on, you know, it's arguably the biggest game of Matt Corral's career. It's on the road. You know, he's going to be really itching to make a statement and cause I, cause I was joking with somebody earlier today that Matt Corral is, is, is like very similar his mannerisms and how he talks in press conferences. He's very Ryan Howard post uh, going to jail for defrauding the company where he's got a list of people that, that he's written down the haters. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like, maybe he tries to play off that where he knows that Corral is going to be very aggressive and, you know, the team goes as he goes. I mean, not just statistically and what he does, but, you know, he's the, you know, unquestioned leader. Um, You know, he's, you know, all the cliches, he's the heartbeat of the team, all that stuff. I mean, his, his swagger carries the team and then some. So I think that that probably could be what Saban's going to look at is we'll see if he makes a mistake and tries to fit a ball into a small window. Um, but I mean, do it at your own risk, man, because like we said, this offensive line has been really good and the running backs are as good, you know, as advertised. I mean, Henry Parrish looked great last night. Jerry Neely, you know what you're getting out of him. He's super versatile. And then, you know, Oh, don't forget about, you know, the 225 pounds Snoop Connor, who's going to run people over. So they can do it in a number of ways. So it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Yeah, it's also so nice to have an offensive coaching staff where you don't have to wonder what they're going to do, right? Like, uh, and when I say that, I mean, you don't have to wonder between like, are they going to stick to their guns or are they going to like pivot to things that Alabama has shown as some sort of weakness? Although weakness is kind of a funny term about Alabama. But you know that Levy and Kiffin, what they're going to do is look at every play that went poorly for Alabama and figure out how they can, you know, exploit that as best they can and, you know, run plenty of plays that Alabama has never seen offensively. All right. Pretty extensive offensive breakdown there. Um, Looking ahead to Alabama and talking to Lane, like I said, we're going to switch gears, go to defense. So before we do that, we're going to take our quick break and uh, hear from the other sponsors that make this show possible. Hang tight. We'll be right back to talk defense and continue to look ahead to the Week 5 matchup against the Crimson Tide. Hang tight. Be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Iris in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market 
the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost Grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials, 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the Rooftop Bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, You can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion Hangover Edition, recapping the 61-21 win over Tulane. Ben Woodhouse, Juco All-American here. All right, guys. Not getting a ton of pub, obviously, for everything the offense did, but all things considered, in a two-hour delay and a Tulane team that's awfully scrappy and didn't really give up, um, defense, again, three weeks in a row, another Really solid performance. They held Tulane to 305 total yards, turned them over, held them to just 14 first downs. And um, looking at the numbers here, 3.7 yards per rush, um, only gave up 166 through the air. And for me, the big number, one for 11 on third downs. So DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge, what they've done in year two with virtually the same roster outside of a couple impact guys, it's been a revelation and uh, I believe there's still top 50 per Bill C's SP plus numbers. That's about as, as good as you can ask for with what this offense can do. Right. Ole Miss ran 94 plays on offense. And uh, you know, whenever that happens, you sort of expect the other team to put up some volume stats, right. That are like not, based on modern football and efficiency and all that sort of stuff. 
Uh, Tulane didn't do that. They they had 305 yards of offense, uh, and like you said, you know those those third downs just that's killer. I mean, the uh, um, I think I was listening to Kiffin's press conference last night, or I, I listened to it this morning. You know, because when the team does well, you try to consume as much information as you can. And you know, there were a few years there where I didn't listen to a post game press conference, but um, went back and listened to this one, and you know, he really. He praised the defense on the on the you know third down and 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 thought that um, we played better you know just overall. I will say if we're going to take the next step or you know take it, let's say go to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. Let's just put it out there like that. You know I I think we need to take advantage of turnovers when they're given to us. So for example, the last night we dropped an interception that that frankly was like a guy playing center field. And he just, you know, just panicked and dropped it, I guess. I don't know. It's like a punt. And um, um, so I think, you know, we could do that. But otherwise, man, we're just so much better on defense than we were. And uh, I think it looks like, a, a, you know, somewhere between around 65, 70 uh, in the country in defense. And with this offense, you know, unless we had just NFL guys all, all over the defensive side of the ball, and maybe we do. And I, I just I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't think we do. Uh, I think they're good college players. They're going to be right, like like uh, Juco said. They're gonna be like that because the offense is scoring too fast and it's too good that they're just gonna spend time on the field. I mean that's that's what's going to happen. So um, you know our defensive numbers, you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt. You know when they're on the field the whole game. Yeah, I think that you know you're talking about the, you mentioned a, a missed pick that was Miles Battle. Uh, and can you imagine if he had had a pick and a fumble recovery? That would be awesome. And <laughs> a uh, an onside kick recovery. Onside, yeah. That was a big yeah. play by him on the onside kick. Oh, it was. I mean, he was the only one. That was that was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I, I just I think that this team is different. Uh, against Austin P. Uh, I don't think the defense looked especially awesome, although it was weird to see the reaction from a lot of fans who were like, Oh, the defense is just as bad as it was a year ago. And it's like, well, we shut them out for the first, the first half. Uh, but anyway, um, no, I think that uh, the off season additions of chance Campbell and Tashim Johnson, who I guess we haven't really talked about. And then Otis Reese being able to play uh, those things are making a huge difference. And, you know, I, I agree. Yeah, and also okay. like the the three, the three two, two six. six. Yeah, three two yeah. six. Yeah, I almost said three three five. That was what we ran last year. Uh, the three two six. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I, from watching a ton of football over the past few weeks, you know, college football. I mean, um, it's like everybody is running that against decent to good quarterbacks, uh, and it seems like this was not the case like last year. Did all the coaches get together in the offseason and just decide like, hey, uh, drop eight is the way we're going is, is the way we're all going to go. <laughs> it's like nobody's willing to line up and run the football anymore. Um, like or I guess, you know, a traditional. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Look, about Chance Campbell um, and not to not to harp on him the entire time. But, man, that guy changes the entire look of our defense, just looking like a linebacker on the field you know, and, and being in the right place at the right time. We have yeah. guys who aren't seeing much playing time anymore who played a lot of football the last two years. I mean, mm -hmm. thousands of snaps. And who were and expected not seeing, to be starters. Yeah. I mean, Momo Sonogo. Yeah. Yeah. He had three tackles yesterday. Well, I mean, that guy was got, getting 15 or 20 tackles a game simply just because he was out there every snap. Yeah. Well, I, Juke, I'm glad you mentioned him. And I've, I talked about him in the game recap, and um, I've mentioned him several times, you know, whether it was during the game, talking with folks, or today, just recapping the game. But I, I, Tyson Johnson needs to play more. Um, yeah, he's super good. I would say he needs to start. Um, I, I, I think DeAndre Prince and Miles Battle need to be the starting corners. Um, they're both so athletic, and they're both really long, so they can really level the playing field against bigger longer receivers that they're going to see in a couple of weeks with Alabama with James Williams, the Ohio state transfer. Um, and uh, the 
oh, what's his name? His last name's Earl. Um, he's from Texas. He's a true freshman who's really good. But yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, it's technically year one in the defense, but Chance Campbell and DJ Durkin are very familiar with each other. He knows what's expected um, when he's out there, but they just have no problem putting him on an island and just having him spy the quarterback or spy a running back out of the backfield. And I think that that is such a huge advantage to have where, you know, him or Otis Reese and, you know, Mark Robinson's starting to pop up a little bit more as he's getting more comfortable playing linebacker. Um, I mean, it's just night and day from a year ago. They're so much more physical at that second level and they're just faster and they just don't really miss assignments too much. Um, my only gripe and, and literally the only one from Saturday that is really going to have to get cleaned up and they might just do it for two weeks in practice. They've got to be able to tackle better in space, um, especially going up against Alabama, who's just mm-hmm. going to have far better players than Tulane, but missed a lot of tackles on a couple screen plays and then just downfield guys were in position and just whiffing. Um, can't do that against, you know, not only Alabama, but in the SEC, but yeah, I mean, it's, something that I'm sure that they're going to work on for two weeks. And look, it, there's a certain point where you kind of subconsciously can't really help it, but you're going to let up a little bit because you know it's Tulane and you know that you've got a 40-point lead. Um, yeah, the intensity is going to be turned up in two weeks. But, yeah, three weeks in, you cannot complain about this defense. And for all the shit that they got last year and how bad they were, um, they, they've answered the bell in, in the first three games. Yeah. I, I also oh. think that, Oh, go ahead, Ben. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I also think that, um, you know, the, the problem you mentioned, Tyshim Johnson being a starter. Uh, it's just that there are tons of good defensive backs and, you know, then it's like, well, okay. So you, so you said miles battle and Deontre Prince, right? So mm-hmm. you want them to start. We obviously want Kedron Smith, right. And AJ Finley. Yeah. And Otis Reese. And then once Jake Springer gets back, right? I guess we probably want him to start. <laughs> yeah. And everybody loves uh, Tyler Knight and his ability to just blow things up at you know his size. And so then it's like, oh, I've already named like too many players to start. Yeah, it's it's a good problem to have. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, starting is kind of like a silly thing at this point. Like everybody's going to play a whole lot. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess by that I, I just mean he needs to get as many snaps as you know. Sure, sure. Campbell and Reese, but I'm glad you brought up Springer because Kiffin singled him out in the post game press conference. They're they're excited to get him back. I mean, they've obviously been holding him out just to have him 100 percent for SEC play. But yeah, it's there 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 are worse things to have as an issue as we have so many good players that we've got to get them on the field all at the same time. Yeah. One thing that I I do think we can take away a little bit from the two lane game because I think that you know when you boat race an opponent um, and it seems that you're just more talented in, you know, almost every facet than they are. It's tough to get, draw too many conclusions, but I do think Tulane was a faster team than I expected them to be. Like they had speed at some positions that I kind of expected to not be there. And I think that seeing the defense succeed in that is, is a useful thing headed into SEC play. Chance Campbell, uh, his play, I'm switching gears, but Chance Campbell's play so far through the, through the first three games is very much why I'm not concerned about a team like Liberty. Uh, and I know that like at this point being concerned about a team like Liberty is kind of funny anyway, but, uh, you know, Malik Willis is a dual threat quarterback. He often leads their team in run in rushing in games. Uh, and, we just see over and over again that when Chance Campbell is in and they pass, he is spying the quarterback. He's staying with them and doesn't allow for big gains on, on QB runs, which I think that historically have gashed every Ole Miss defense that I can remember other than like the two years that we were phenomenal uh, with Robert Kimdichie and everybody. Completely agree. Um, you know, th- if there's one thing um, that, and this is not necessarily all on the defense, but one negative to take away from the first three games about Ole Miss is the, the just the penalties, man. Like just so many. I mean, I think even Ole Miss was penalized a bunch last night, 
and this without me looking at it, but, you know, Umana had the three uh, false starts that Zach touched on earlier. That was offensive penalties, but we've had several defensive pass interference calls. Um, the, I think the secondary has much better players. And, you know, we're, um, we, while I agree with Zach that the open field tackling needs to get better, we are better at tackling in general. And it seems like we uh, bring more violence when we get to the football. Um, um, but, yeah, I agree with you about Chance Campbell completely. You know, the, the best way to look at that is, you know, to see kind of how he played against Louisville. Well, I think Malik uh, Willis is better than um, Louisville's quarterback. Malik um, Cunningham, yeah. Yeah, Malik Cunningham. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I didn't want to say the wrong last name. Um, <laughs> yeah. they, uh, uh, that's kind of an, I guess, a preview, I think, of how he could be against him because Cunningham is is very athletic. I mean, that's not – and oh, yeah. Louisville, I think – I mean, they're not very good guys, but, like, they're not as bad as what, you know, I think what they're getting credit for after that opening game. Right. I, I, I don't know. It, to me, I mean, they, they beat UCF last night. UCF, you know, for what – I mean, it's a good program. Like, this is a program that's two years from having played in, what, an access bowl? And with Gus Malzahn as the head coach. And, and you talked about Tulane being fast. Completely agree there. They were very fast. And, again, that's another – while Tulane's not going to have the athletes Ole Miss is or really any other SEC team, the um, – not named probably Vanderbilt, they still, you know, they're good. They're well-coached and, um, you know, they're just a good program. I think there's a different, I think we lose sight of what's good and not because like there's different tiers of this in the grand scheme of college football Tulane, I would put near the middle of the pack to upper end, uh, higher end of just, in terms of program, definitely towards the higher end of the group of five or group of six, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so long story short, I know it's just kind of a ramble. Those are all my thoughts on that. If there's one thing that I would say that we need to improve for Ole Miss, it's the penalties. Because I think, you know, right now it's been masked by the fact that our offense, I mean, has what do we have? One turnover in three games, the fumble that Snoop or two, we Snoop fumbled and uh, Parrish fumbled. And then, so we, those are our two turnovers. We've been pretty good at, on special teams other than kick coverage last night. And, um, and really kickoffs in general, are we purposely kicking it to the five or, I mean, I I'm trying like to figure working out. on covering kicks. Cause you know, Costa can put it in the end zone. That's yeah, what did, I'm saying. Like, once yesterday, uh, why are we not just kicking it through? And maybe, and, and that's my question. Maybe it's not on purpose. Maybe he's just blasting it. Like what he thinks he can do. And it's returnable every time, but yeah, they're to beat Alabama or to make that game close. And I think the line is going to be what 10 and a half, 11 and a half, something like that. To, to keep that game within one score late, we got to get better at kick coverage and we got to cut down on the penalties. Yeah, I think I thought last night there could have been some issues with some footing on really booming it on kickoff. But again, maybe Hutzler wants them to work on covering kicks. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe he's not. Maybe he can, you know, boom it from 54 on a field goal, but he can't boom it through the back of the end zone. I, if he can, I certainly hope that they do it against Alabama because, yeah, yeah. last night covering kicks against Tulane was, was not great. Um, Although we did get a fumble recovery on the kick. So you got to have that too. True, yeah. And we all know how – Alabama likes to fumble on the kickoff against Ole Miss. So um, there is They also that. like to pull our face masks and forcing us to fumble. Yes, yes. Um, which I did see at one point, I can't remember if it was McClellan or whoever the other running back that's a five-star that plays for Alabama, did <laughs> grab a Florida defender's face mask on the way out of bounds and like the whole time just held it and they didn't call it. So of course that's not. always fun. Um, all right, we – Anything else? I mean, I guess outside of the penalties, I guess we could get pissed at Caden Costa for missing a 51-yarder. I mean, come on, dude. What the, what the fuck? But, yeah, I mean, which which had the leg to be like 60. Oh, he boomed it. And yeah. Tiffin said he thought he made it. I mean, it was, you know, he, inches from being a, a made field goal. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, the complete game. I mean, honestly, it really was. And 
I guess last couple things here, Ben, you mentioned it earlier, uh, a testament to this team and, and the potential that they have and how good they could be. You could see it with the students. Um, I mean, we all know as well as anybody that most of the time in, in the past, especially with weather like there was on Saturday, and, you know, I can't really say I blame them. Students would have just hit the exits and gone back to the Grove, gone back to their house, gone to the square. No, they hung around. They wanted to see this offense. They wanted to see the continue to improve. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's what happened. I don't I mean, know. Maybe. I mean, let's 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 be real. You know, you you go to the Grove at – let's just say they got to the Grove at noon for a 7 o'clock kickoff, and we all know what students are doing in the Grove. I mean, they're not playing chess. So let's just say that they – you know, that's seven hours of drinking – you get to the game, and then they say, oh, well, we're going to have a two-hour delay. So now you're on to nine hours of drinking. And, and you know, and you know those the students do what everybody did as a student, and they mix the strongest drink possible walking into the, you know, walking yeah. to the game. So yeah. only to have that hit you about an hour before kickoff. You could, could – I mean, this is just another opportunity for us to give a shout-out to Keith Carter for having booze in the stadium because now they don't have to leave. They can just – right run on over to the concession stand and they can just rip high noons for two hours while they wait for kickoffs. So. Man, the, the number of people that drink high noons at the football games is startling. <laughs> like it is like, and they are like 1250 a piece. I'm like, Oof. my goodness, printing money. Oh yeah. It's the best financial decision that college football ever made. Other well. than putting the sport on TV. Look, for me, uh, I, <clears throat> this is, Here's where I am. Yes, the teams we have played or that Ole Miss has played, I didn't play, that Ole Miss has played are – they're not what we're, what Ole Miss is going to play going forward. Everybody knows that. It's not the SEC team. But I don't know what else Ole Miss could have done other than win them, what, 70 to nothing? You know, like you're, you're up 26 yeah. nothing in the first half of the first game. You're up 37 nothing in the first half of the second game. And then going into halftime of the third game, what was it, 40 to 21? It's pretty good. I mean, yeah. we talked about it before the show. That's as good or better, really, than the 2019 LSU team and their non-conference games. Yeah, I think it uh, – like, there's a danger, right, in demolishing Louisville, Austin P, and Tulane, and then your next game being Alabama, right? And thinking, like, oh, like, we kind of got it together. We know what we're doing. And then you play Alabama and it's like, oh, well, we weren't tested by a team that, you know, could really put up a fight. Um, certainly, I would feel better if one of our opponents had been, I don't know, a fringe top 25, even group, even like Coastal, right? Coastal Carolina uh, and and Ole Miss had come out and, and slaughtered them and say, OK, well, you know, there's there's something there. Uh, I don't want to give off the impression that like any of us I think are in the camp of like, Oh yeah, we can, we can definitely take Alabama. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it's, I think that if Ole Miss wins, it's going to be a close one. And I would still put money on a money line bet for, for Alabama to win. Well, let me, let me pose it to you like this. Would you take in, in the conference, in the league, would you take another opponent or in the West? Let's, let's narrow it down before Ole Miss against Alabama. Would you rather be Texas A&M? Would you rather be LSU or Mississippi State? Huh. I mean, the only one that I would say is in consideration is A&M because their defense is pretty great or seems pretty great, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, at the same time, I mean, their offense is pretty stagnant. So maybe not. Yeah, you know, I guess the point, of the, the point in that for me – is I think Ole Miss has as good a shot or probably the best shot of anybody in the regular season or at least any West opponent uh, at beating Alabama. I, I really do. I think the the chance of Alabama losing an SEC West game is October the 2nd. Now, I'm not saying – I'm not picking Ole Miss to win the game. I'm just saying that's the best opportunity for an Alabama loss. I would, I would feel much more comfortable or confident in it if it were in Oxford, but, you know. Yeah. Might as it's, well get a uh, tough loose and win. Yeah. You know, I mean, at, at this point, I think I'll be interested to see what the FPI or whatever the percentage is for um, 
you know, the chance to win. I wonder how close it'll be to 50, 50, or, you know, will it be, you know, I'm just, I'm intrigued to see what it's going to look like because it's not just, you know, well, you know, Lane Kiffin and his offense, you know, it's real cute, but the defense is just, you know, that that's not a storyline anymore. I mean, the defense has played well. Um, and Florida gave Alabama all they could ha- handle. Um, I don't Alabama follow gave- the FBI a lot, but I would think that it would not be more than 30%. Yeah, and you could be right. I mean, yeah, FBI is not always – Super reliable. Now, I guess maybe the the one that I will be looking to see is what Bill C's projection is for that game. But um, Bama gets a tune-up against Southern Miss next Saturday. Um, And then we will head into, uh, you know, week five for that big clash in Tuscaloosa. I would imagine game day is probably going to be there. I haven't looked at the schedule to see what other games compete. But two undefeated teams, the two Heisman front runners, and, uh, you know, the low-hanging fruit storyline of can a a Saban assistant finally beat him, I think is just kind of tailor-made for game day. So um, we'll have coverage on that at at, uh, redcuprebellion.com. We'll also have some podcasts this week. We'll obviously do some more gambling on the Legal Gambling Council. We'll have a ton of bi-week coverage, I would imagine, just talking about this team and and what they have to do to – upset number one Alabama in two weeks but thanks to you the listener for tuning in thanks to Ben thanks to Juco for joining for uh, the first hangover edition of the season we'll uh, continue to have these as much as possible um, for the remainder of the year but uh, for those two over there I'm Zach this has been Podcast Rebellion thank y'all for listening we out <laughs>